I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Good evening, everybody. This is Toby Leary. I'm your host of Rapid Fire. I'm co-owner of Cape Gunworks in beautiful Hyannis, Massachusetts. And we are bracing for a very busy summer down here. And if you haven't been to Cape Gunworks yet, join us anytime. We're open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. in the showroom, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on the range, Monday through Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sundays. And we would love to see you. And if you can't make it down, you can always join us at capegunworks.com. You can shop online. We have a bunch of ammo online now uh, for your purchasing pleasure. If you happen to be in Massachusetts, we can uh, figure out how to hold it for you when you so you can come down and pick it up because you, we're not allowed to ship ammo in Massachusetts. Go figure. But um, we'll certainly be working on that uh, as well. But we have... A big shipment of ammo due in any day, and we're really excited about that. We will have more ammo in stock than in the history of Cape Gunworks at any given time before. So during the biggest ammo shortage that I can ever remember, that's kind of like bragging rights. It's some serious uh, <laughs> serious social cred out there, right? Some street cred. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I can't wait to share with you guys when that order and shipment finally comes in we may even start taking some pre-orders for that but i don't know we'll see but we got a lot of nine millimeter we have the elusive 380 coming in the elusive 5.7 coming in for all the we sold probably 25 uh fnps 90s in the last couple months and you know at the time i didn't have any 5.7 ammo so it was really tough to uh, sell a gun without ammo but i said look throughout all of history I either have the ammo or the gun. I've never had the two together at the same time for some strange reason, or not in any significant qualities anyway. So we have that coming in. We have some 3030, uh, which hasn't been in stock in well over a year, uh, plus a bunch of other miscellaneous uh, calibers 38, 40, 45, 357. So yay, plenty of 556, um, all the good stuff. So I can't wait, but it's going to be here soon. So fret not. There is hope on the way. <laughs> We're going to see a brighter day. And uh, But anyway, we have some beautiful weather on the Cape this week, and it's been great. Uh, and this Friday, the 21st, was the uh, Top Shot Invitational Golf Tournament that we sponsor and by the sound of this or the airing of this show, it'll have already taken place. Uh, but we are really looking forward to uh, this is our third annual with a COVID skip. We have this would have been the third or the fourth consecutive, but we skipped for COVID reasons last year. And this year, the, the tournament sold out. So it was awesome. Uh, everybody did 
a great job, you know, uh, getting signed up. And this year we had a venue change instead of Sandwich Hollows. It's down at Bayberry Hills. And I think everyone is just ready to get outside, ready for this mask mandate nonsense to be over. And even if you like masks, you know, you can still wear one, right? No one says you can't. So uh, by all means, uh, I think all the businesses in the area are really ready to get down to business and open up and start start uh you know getting things back on track so really excited about that um, but also we had a pretty cool supreme this uh court decision last week that uh smacked down the uh basically the red red flag ish laws of rhode island which uh keith who will be on later in the show by the way uh aptly reminded me the name of it is community caretaking. So under the guise of community caretaking, like wellness checks or, you know, somebody says, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while. So they could go in and check on somebody and then all of a sudden they could rifle through your drawers looking for guns and whatnot. So um, the Supreme Court, in an obvious violation of the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment, uh, had one of their rare moments where every one of the justices, all nine of them, aligned together and said, no. This is not the way this works. You're doing it all wrong, Rhode Island. So uh, that was a good thing. Um, anyway, uh, we're really happy to see that. And that gives me a glimmer of hope as a gun owner and uh, an American who's seen a lot, you know, all of us who've seen so many of our rights kind of up in the air in the last year, like stuff that was obvious, uh, stuff that you never used to see happen happening like you know take two weeks and stay home and stop the spread and then all of a sudden you know a year later there's still businesses not open and people out of work and out of business and out you know really harmed harmed and hurt a lot of people not to mention there were people who were hurt and harmed by you know this disease going around or this virus and so you know long and short of it is i think we're all really excited to kind of put this chapter of our lives behind us and hopefully things will return back to normal because I've said throughout the entire year and whatever year plus that we've been living under this is we all take acceptable risks. We all take risks and we all deem them as either acceptable or not. So some of us don't, uh, you know, like to take risks, you know, more, you know, all of us have a risk tolerance or a risk threshold. And some of us are like Bob Wiley from What About Bob, right? You know, you're just going to stay in your apartment. You go outside and see the bus. You want to run back in the apartment and stick with your goldfish. That's cool. That's fine. That's good for you. You know, if that's your tolerance of risk, have at it, you know. But you might want to make an appointment with Dr. Leo Marvin and get that straightened out. But anyway, even driving to work every day, you have risk. Like that's the number one killer of Americans is the highways, trees that line our highways, cars hitting into trees. And so we all know that we have a better chance of probably dying from a car accident than pretty much any other thing that we could do. But yet we all get in the car and drive to work every day. But all of a sudden, you know, this disease comes along or this virus comes along and we have a 99.7% chance of surviving it. But we're going to lock us ourselves down for months and cause major financial hardship and uh, ruin kids, you know, school years and hockey teams. That that was one that hit personally close to home. My son uh, 
his hockey team won the state championship and they were going to California for the nationals, which is like every kid's dream to play on a big stage like that. And guess what? Canceled. So anyway, I digress. That's my end of rant. So, um, you know, if you haven't got signed up for our, uh, to be notified for this show, whenever we're going to record, go to capegunworks.com and click on rapid fire. Obviously, you, uh, if you're listening on the radio, you're listening on WXTK or WCRN, and we welcome you every week there. But if you want to be a part and have your voice heard, go to capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire and get signed up. So we'll notify you when we record the show. We got lots of classes coming up. We got lots of stuff going on at the shop. Um, as I mentioned, we got the uh, ammo coming in. But uh, we also have a, con- a contest that we give away product every week. So go to capegunworks.com slash rapid fire and get signed up to win because we're going to give something away every week. So we want you to be the one who wins. So make sure you go there and sign up. This week we're giving away a Franklin Armory binary trigger for a Ruger 1022. So that's going to be really cool. And uh, Next week, we're going to be giving away something else that's really cool. So I'll talk more about that on the other side. All right. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The first focal plane, glass-etched reticle, keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long-distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. Strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. And it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. Welcome back. This is Toby. I'm your host of Rapid Fire, a weekly show about all things guns, the Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense, and sometimes a wild card we throw in there and talk about hunting or whatever else gets us up in the morning. So let's get to some of your questions real quick before I go on to a couple other things. But uh, we had one question, is the Tavor mass compliant? And this is a very good question. Uh, we are part of a lawsuit that some of you may or may not know about. And it is a lawsuit against the Attorney General in which we claim that she created a regulation illegally and with her enforcement of the assault weapons ban. And so in this, we just said she didn't go through due process and, you know, uh, and as a result, it has created a lot of confusion about what can and can't be sold. Even in her frequently asked questions, she says, um, can, you know, the gun manufacturer says I can sell a particular gun. Does that mean I can? 
And she answers, no, absolutely not. You can't trust those pesky gun manufacturers. If they say it's mass legal, you can't trust them. It doesn't mean it can be sold, blah, blah, blah. Then two questions later, it says, how do I know what I can buy here in Massachusetts? And she says, oh, that's easy. Check with the manufacturer or the dealer, your local dealer, and they'll tell you what you can and can't buy in Massachusetts. And, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in town, but that to me is circular reasoning. When you say you can't trust them to tell you what gun you can and can't buy, but then two questions later you tell the people, go ahead and check with them on what gun you can and can't buy. That's circular reasoning. So the reason she said that is because they don't want to publish a list. Well, part of the outcome of our lawsuit in the preliminary hearings and whatnot is to force them to publish that list of what we can buy. Not that we think she is the authority of all things can and can't buy in Massachusetts. But one of the, uh, they have agreed to start putting some stuff on there that you can buy. And if you go to the website, it will show you a list of guns that, okay, we're begrudgingly putting this list. It's not comprehensive. It's not, um, you know, all of them, but here's a good starter list. And the Tavor, the IWI Tavor, is in fact on that list of guns you can buy. So is the Ruger Mini 14 and a bunch of other stuff. So hopefully that answers your question. I know that was a long answer for a simple question, but the point of the matter is sometimes this legislation or the, I should say, this litigation does produce some positives. And uh, we would like to see ultimately that it'll produce gaining our rights back when they ultimately lose and we win. So I'm hoping that's obviously why we're doing it. But um, so there you go. We got another question here. Uh, Davey put makes a good point, And that is that he says, without COVID, I'd have never gotten my LTC. Too many hoops to jump through when you're at work six days a week. And that is one of the, you know, I guess, big bonuses of the last year is that there's a bunch of new gun owners and a new a bunch of new people that maybe wouldn't even have considered buying a gun other than they see their other rights being put on hold or or taken from them so easily and now they're saying well geez you know i was never a gun guy but now all of a sudden i want to i think i'm gonna get a gun so yeah there's that too and uh billy is asking if if he's on the islands and he buys ammo online, will we hold it for him until they can get over? And the answer to that is yes. Um, sorry, I don't have any pricing and quantities yet, Jake, on the 3030 ammo. Um, it is a federal product, um, but I don't know what the pricing will be just off the top of my head. So hopefully we'll have some of that info as we get a little closer. And uh, Mo's wondering if I'm going to bring in any of the Galil Ace Gen 2 rifles which are not a copy of the original Galil. And that's something I'll probably um, have Keith Langer help us with a zoning opinion on because I agree with you, it is definitely not the original design of the Galil. Unfortunately, they have Galil in the name. Really though, it's the ace rifle. And the original Galil was IMI, which is Israeli Military Industries. And IWI is the company that produces the ace rifle, The Israeli uh, weapon industries. So hopefully that, you know, is a, and it's different enough design to, to, you know, 
pass the muster here until you know the lawsuit ultimately goes through so hopefully um let's see uh we just got back brendan and i uh from nighthawk customs down in berryville arkansas last week and this was my first trip down south like that i we flew into springfield missouri and we drove down to the northwest part of arkansas and i gotta say i was blown away at number one the beauty of that area um it was just incredible the hills and the ozarks and lakes everywhere and beautiful farms and cattle out grazing and you know i i was like wow this is <laughs> this is beautiful country horses and cows and chicken farms and it was just gorgeous and uh we did a tour of uh nighthawk custom which we were already a fan of their guns but i was blown away at how beautiful the the 1911 is when they're done with it and i learned so much and you know the 1911 is a gun that had lost its luster in my eyes for a while as a defensive firearms guy and instructor I felt, and I used to carry one for 15 years, but the reliability of them were so-so. You know, I had a Colt, and it was like I had to get the barrel throated. I had to get certain things tuned on it to get it to function well, and it was designed for ball ammunition, so it didn't really like hollow points. And, and there was just this whole litany of things that kind of made that gun less than desirable as a carry gun. Uh and I retired it a while back when I got my first Glock. And I think a modern striker-fired gun without a thumb safety is still my number one choice for defensive purposes. But the more and more guns that we have for sale here in Massachusetts because of our ridiculous assault, I mean, not assault weapons, but uh, approved weapons roster, a lot of the guns are thumb safety versions, like the all the SIG products, a lot of the Smith & Wessons, although you can get some of those with and without uh, safeties, um, the car, K, you know, PM9 and P9 and whatnot had a thumb safety, and it was an awful thumb safety. So I'm thinking, okay, if you have to have a thumb safety or you're going to have a thumb safety, oh, the Ruger products, all of the mass versions had thumb safeties of the Ruger products as well. So if you're going to have a thumb safety, now you introduce the 1911 back into the mix and you have one that's reliable, uh, okay, I can start to entertain that. Then I went to Nighthawk and I saw the process and I saw seven members of the American Pistol Makers Guild there with their plaques and the guns they made to enter the guild and I was blown away and they have a, a saying, one gun, one gunsmith. So one gunsmith is responsible for that gun from start to finish. They get the kit with the parts and they have to hand fit it all together to, to, to exacting tolerances. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've heard the saying like the old GI ones that rattled around worked because they rattled around. These guns don't rattle. And are they too tight? Are they machined to too high a tolerance? And then we shot them. We went out to the range and... We probably shot 20 different guns in 45 and 9 millimeter, some suppressed, some unsuppressed. Um, and I got to say, there was probably a dozen of us shooting for a good hour and a half. I'm sure we blew through a couple thousand rounds. And 
most of the guns that got shot a lot probably had a couple hundred, 300, 400 rounds through them. And I didn't see a single malfunction throughout any of those guns on that range. And that was impressive to me because normally I, I'll, I'll teach a class. And if someone shows up with a 1911, usually they can't make it through a class without some sort of malfunction. Um, so I was very, very impressed with the, the reliability of these guns. And so I, it started to get me to think again, like, all right, if you're going to carry a striker-fired gun that has a thumb safety, cool, you know, just get used to the thumb safety. you got to practice with it. you probably got to put in four or five times the amount of work to be as proficient with it as a gun without a thumb safety. And now you want to throw into the mix quality over quantity. You know, some people are like, I can buy 10 Glocks for the price of one Nighthawk. Yep, you probably can. Maybe not in this state, but um, in a free state, you might be able to. Uh, so, but there's some people that appreciate good quality. And now you just, you're willing to pay for the good quality. You want the best of the best. And so you're going to pay for that. Then, yeah, okay, I can at least be brought into the conversation of, if you're going to have a thumb safety on your striker-fired gun and a thumb safety on your 1911, all right, now I can at least, we're comparing apples to apples. But I still think a striker-fired gun without a thumb safety has the edge overall because you don't need to be as, you know, devoted to working the thumb safety in all of your regimented training. But anyway, um, it made me want one. Let's put it that way. I want one. I'm going to get one. I sold the one I bought for myself because somebody had to have it and I, I'm in the gun business so I sold it but I will be getting a new one for myself uh, and I actually placed an order while I was there so that'll be cool to get when it comes in so you know at some point in your life I remember as like a teenager I was all about like old country buffet and like you know getting as much food for the money as I possibly could right you just go gorge yourself 15 18 years old I could eat for three men and and I wanted a lot of food but now I appreciate a good meal versus quantity and so that's how I feel about guns too I'm, I'm like I want I want some good quality guns in my life instead of a ton of them you know I'd rather just save up and get a good one so anyway that's the way I'm looking at life right about now but Hopefully you are too, but we'll be right back either way, and uh, we'll see you in a sec. Hold on, you're listening to Rapid Fire. Polarized, rugged, and extremely clear, Loophole Performance Eyewear filters out harsh light while dramatically reducing glare. Whether you're hiking through the backcountry, dialing in at the range, or navigating the daily grind, Loophole's crystal clear lenses will keep your eyes protected and your vision fresh all day long. Learn more about Loophole Performance Eyewear at loophole.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, 
speed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Toby. I'm your host of Rapid Fire every week on Saturdays from 7 to 8 on WXTK and on WCRN AM 8.30. So check us out, or you can go to the iHeartRadio app and listen there. Or you can join us when we record the show. So go to capegunworks.com forward slash rapid fire and click there and get signed up to be notified when we go live. And this segment is sponsored by attorney Keith G. Langer. He is a great friend of the show here, and he specializes in Second Amendment law, trusts, and civil litigation. Keith is available by appointment for all legal cons uh, consultation, so please call Keith at 508-384-8692. That's 508-384-8692, or visit kglangerlaw.com. So kglangerlaw.com. Keith Langer, gun owner and gun rights lawyer. So he is the man. That's why we're going to have him on the show right now. So Keith, how you doing today, bud? Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Afternoon, Toby. So you're the person who is responsible for there no longer being an old country buffet at the Walpole <laughs> Mall. You personally ate them out of business. Yeah, I think I'm more responsible for the one in Hyannis. But yes, I used to go in there <laughs> with that objective to put them out of business. If every customer was like me, they wouldn't last long. And uh, so, you know, that's that was the 18-year-old me. <laughs> but anyway, um, welcome to the show, Keith. And, you know, I appreciate you checking in with us again. And uh, after last week's discussion where we were talking about safe storage in the home and whatnot, um, I think it would be a perfect segue to ask you about safe transportation or lawful transportation in the car because I get asked all the time and you know one of the most common questions is can I put it in the glove box or can I put it in the center console and can I you know uh, slide it under the seat or can I get one of those magnet thingies that you see on Facebook that click it up under the dash so you know I know the nuance of it is just like every other law in Massachusetts, it's probably clear as mud. So I figure we get the expert on the line and have you weigh in and set the record straight for us. Well, the statute that covers transportation of firearms is 14131C. And the magic phrase what you just raised is 
direct control of such person. Well, who determines what, quote-unquote, direct control is? Number one, the police officer on the scene, and then later, if you really blew it, the judge. <laughs> uh, saying that, I would never put a gun in the, in the glove compartment. It's just a fail on several levels, not the least of which is that it's easy to argue that it's not under your direct control. It's sitting in front of the passenger, not you, on the far side of the vehicle. Plus, if you're like me, where is your registration? Oh, wait, in the glove box. <laughs> yeah, let me open that with the gun in it when the cop's there. I don't think so. Right. Now, what does that statute apply to? Well, it says firearm, which in Massachusetts, being Massachusetts, means a handgun. Mm. So if you've got a loaded handgun, it had better be, for all practical purposes, on your person. I wouldn't trust any of those magnetic devices, certainly not under your seat, and a console is questionable because it's between you and the passenger, but at least it's under your arm. Hmm. Basically, if you want to be safe, it should be on your person. But if it's not on your person, well, then it can't be loaded, and it has to be in a locked case or the locked trunk of your vehicle. So your trunk better have your vehicle better have a trunk, or you put it in a locked case. It also says other secure container. A lot of the new sport utes have locking hidden compartments under the seat, hmm. and as long as they're locking, that would arguably meet the locked case or other secure container language of the statute. But the gun cannot be loaded. Sure. This statute also applies to large capacity long arms. So if you've got an AR, uh, if you've got an M1 carbine, your AK, anything like that, it should be in a locked case or your locked trunk. But it says large capacity. So theoretically, you can throw your M1 Garand on the back seat hmm. or your side by side shotgun and Go off to the range. I've done it. But then again, I'm only going across town to my club. It's, I would not do it in any circumstance where I would not be making a direct trip. Nothing right. where the vehicle would be stopped. No running errands. Strictly A to B. Yeah, there's also um, some question about, like, if you are going from A to B to the range and you do stop at the local uh, convenience store to run in for milk, eggs, and OJ, or whatever you're stopping for, that is a different level or a different standard, right, than just driving across town? Yeah. At that point, the argument would be made against you that you were not transporting. As soon as the vehicle stopped and you got out of it, it was storage, and storage requires something else. Note also that the trigger lock that is fine for storage does not suffice for transportation. So transportation, locked case, locked trunk. Right. Home storage, all of that, plus any mass-approved gun lock. Mm. So conceivably, if you have a gun and you do stop at the convenience store and it's unloaded and locked in a storage container, maybe, you know, maybe your center console locks or something to that effect, would that, in fact, meet the definition of storage? Well, 
if it's in your trunk, you're expressly protected by the statute. Mm-hmm. If it's in a locked case, you're expressly protected by the statute. Quote, unquote, other secure container could rationally apply to a locked center console. And certainly the uh, language would also seem to apply to the locked storage compartments uh, in the floorboards and fender wells of sport utes pickups. Uh, theoretically, if you had one of the big contractors' toolboxes in your pickup truck that lock, that would be a locked secure container. Hmm. But the further you get away from the express language of the statute, the grayer sure. the area becomes. And obviously and a, a gun yeah, case that's intended for that, like the Hornaday safes, you know, uh, snap safes that have the little tether that you can put around the seat of the, of the, you know, passenger seat or whatever, you lock it around that. And as long as the gun's unloaded and it's locked in the car and tethered to your seat or something to that effect, that would certainly uh, seem to meet the definition, correct? Especially if it's... Oh, the, the Hornady safe, certainly, because yeah. it, number one, it's a locking case specifically for firearms. And then it's also designed to be secured to the vehicle. Mm. So that would certainly suffice. Uh, cool. The b- bottom line is, theoretically, under the language of the statute, you could have a locked case on the floor of the back seat, but that's inviting a number of problems, under which you want. Right. Uh, invisible is good in these circumstances. Yeah, I agree. And for transportation, unless it's in a holster on you, should be unloaded. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks for clearing that up. That's uh, certainly one of our frequently asked questions in our license to carry classes. And if anyone else has questions uh, for Keith, how can they get a hold of you, Keith? What's the best way? Best way is to go to the website uh, and send me an email, Keith at KGLangerLaw.com. And uh, that way I can see what the issue is and give you an answer and determine what course of action you need to take from there. Excellent. Oh, when you were talking about the uh, Rhode Island case, which mm. is out of Cranston, that was a wonderful decision by the Supreme Court. Yeah. But Rhode Island is uh, trying to ignore another Supreme Court decision, the Catano decision regarding stun guns. Mm. The state of Rhode Island is arguing in court that, notwithstanding the express language of the court, a unanimous Supreme Court in the Caetano case, that stun guns aren't in common use and aren't protected under the Second Amendment. Hmm. Wow. How do they how do they even appeal that? I mean, didn't the Supreme Court the Supreme Court is the one that weighed in on that Catano case, so how how do right. they well uh, basically somebody's trying to get stun guns and Rhode Island doesn't want them to have it, so they got sued. And in a opposition to the plaintiff's motion for summary judgment and a cross-motion for summary judgment on their own argument, the state, meaning the attorney general and the colonel of the state police, are claiming that Caetano doesn't really mean what it says and stun guns aren't in common use and aren't protected under the Second Amendment. Hmm. Crazy. Well, you know, it's... I guess in a state like Rhode Island where they don't issue a lot of license to carries, they don't have 
uh, any type of restrictions on purchasing firearms like we do in Massachusetts, like a guy with a driver's license can buy an AK-47, for instance, with high-capacity mags. But getting a concealed carry permit is difficult there. And so it, I guess it's along the lines of that, that they don't want people arming themselves for defensive purposes. That's kind of what they're saying by making it so restrictive. And that goes along with that, just like Massachusetts was for a while. But I thought Caetano... Well, Rhode Island is odd in that it's got two tracks to a carry permit, to the attorney general or through a municipality. And the attorney general's always been obstructionistic, Mm. uh, and they've gotten even more difficult. Uh, The attorney general always demands proof of need, and their idea of need becomes more and more difficult to meet every time I have to deal with them. And the towns vary. Some of the towns are pretty decent. Others are charging up to $200 over and above the statutory application fee. Wow. And some are so inundated because they are known for actually issuing permits that you can call one morning a month and, like, dialing for dollars. The first 50 callers will get an application that month, and the rest have to wait. Jeez. Crazy. And then there are other towns where they simply make it almost impossible because, in some cases, they refuse to issue the permits and they get sued. They won't even give the application. The one that they are required by statute to provide, they weren't issuing and they were getting sued. Wow. And others are demanding psychological tests, uh, and some of them notwithstanding the fact that there is no requirement of need under the municipal licensing statute are simply aping the attorney general's form and demanding proof of need. So well, Rhode Island is a very interesting place to try and get a permit from. Well, let's hope that the, uh, the new case that the Supreme Court's going to look at for the you know, New York uh, case there yes. will, will set some good precedent for all of the restrictive banned states out there, including the one we live in. So, um, We live in hope. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Keith. As always, it's a great pleasure to talk with you, and we'll do it again soon. Take care, Toby. All right. Have a good day. All right. Getting back to some of your questions. Thank you so much for clearing that up. And like I said, clear as mud is particularly the uh, the situation that we tend to live in in Massachusetts. But um, Bobby's wondering if I hit the Waffle House in Arkansas, and I said no. <laughs> we missed that one. I'm sorry. But... Um, so, let's see, replying to Macman, uh, train him early around the gun. Yeah, so Macman got a Belgian Malinar uh, for his family, and he doesn't want him scared of gunfire. Um, he wants us to do a special event, bring the dog to range night. I think that might be a little much for the dog. Um, what we did for our dog uh, was get him uh, out in the field and kind of fire over his head, you know, from a little distance away. So that got him pretty excited for gunfire instead of scared of it and uh you just gotta ease them into it you don't want them backing down that's for sure but uh yeah absolutely get them get them trained early and often that's the best thing you can do but start shooting not too early and not too late and uh he'll, he'll get used to it so all right we'll be back after this you're listening to rapid fire i'm toby leary Made in America since 1949.
family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Hey everybody, welcome back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Join us every week for a show all about guns, the Second Amendment, and freedom. So, love talking about guns here at Cape Gunworks. So, I'm one of the co-owners of Cape Gunworks, and if you haven't been down, come on down. What took you so long? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somebody came in today and said, they're from the other side of the state, and they said, this is my first time in, and you guys are knocking it out of the park here. What are you doing? And I said, oh, we're just having fun, man. We like to sell guns. We like to shoot guns. We like to talk about guns. So it's pretty easy to go to work every morning when you do what you love and love what you do. So that makes it easy. And um, so let's get to a couple of your questions here. Um, Matt says he has an AR pistol and 300 blackout. And can I shed some lights on light on what mods you can and can't do? You wanted to do a foregrip, but it looks like that's not allowed. So Yes, uh, vertical foregrips are not allowed on AR pistols, um, and hopefully um, your AR pistol is a pre-94, pre-ban pistol, which they're very few and far between, but they can be found out there via a virgin stripped lower that's never been built into a rifle. You can always build one into a pistol when you have one of those, um, but you say you got it, Matt, so I'm assuming you bought it off somebody and make sure that if it if you're not law enforcement then it has it's a fixed mag AR and it had to have been purpose built for that in the first place so otherwise if you have a detachable magazine AR pistol that was post ban you could be uh, walking around with a felony on your hands so just uh, you might need Keith Langer's number handy if you do that <laughs> if you got one of those so I would definitely fix the magazine if it's not a pre-ban because um, that's really the only non-violation of the assault weapons ban is to have a fixed mag AR pistol. Uh, otherwise, the AR pistol violates the assault weapons ban. So welcome to Maskanistan. So uh, what I would do is I would personally put a um, like a, you know, one of those pistol braces on them while well, you can anyway. And so um, the pistol brace, you know, the SB Tactical, the SBA3 works on a regular AR-15 buffer tube and uh, you can adjust it for length of pull and you can shoulder fire it until further notice, <laughs> which, you know, which way the wind blows this week. And uh, the you can put an angled foregrip, like a Magpul angled for AFG, angled foregrip or some of the other brands that make them, but you can't put a vertical foregrip on a pistol. So, there you go. Why? I don't know. But that's a 
federal thing, not a state thing. So, And Duncan's late to the party, but welcome. Uh, glad you're here. And Terry's wondering if we have a Kimber 10 millimeter long slide on order. And the answer to that would be no, because the only Kimbers available are the stainless target twos. Um, and I believe there's one other one in nine millimeter and 45 ACP. But I do have a Nighthawk custom 10 millimeter long slide on order. So you might want to grab one of those. Uh, let's see. All right, cool. It was built into a pistol with a JC Arms fixed mag lower. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. So that's going to be a fun gun to shoot, Matt. I'm glad it's a fixed mag. I was worried for you. And, uh, but that's all good. And, uh, yeah, they make a good lower, so no problem there. And put a nice SBA3 on it and uh, angled foregrip, and you're good to go. You can put anything else on you want, like lights, lasers, and thermals, and whatever else you want. So uh, there you have it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Derek's looking to build a 365 Custom. Does it have an FCU like the 320s? If so, I uh, buy a stock one, then get a Custom slide and lower, and blah, blah, blah. Um, you don't have to re-register it. Uh, you only register it once you build it. But my recommendation is to try to just find a lower and then you can uh, change it out. It's not quite the same as the 320 FCU, but and they're certainly not selling them separately. But like I know we have a, a 365 frame here at the shop and that is the serialized portion of the gun with the fire control unit in it. So you could always buy something like that and then build around it. Uh, you could get a nice Glock, uh, the gray or the tan, and um, in what case. So, um, yeah, and you can, there's the nice Zev, I think, makes a 365 slide now. Uh, Zev Customs in conjunction with SIG. So there's some really cool things you can do to them. You can also do the XL grip and the regular 365 slide or go the other way. Have the 365 grip with the XL slide if you want to do a Romeo red dot or you know I like those Romeo zero red dots on them and I have one of those on my uh, 365 XL so there you go oh the Terry says the target 2 comes in 10 mil I know it does but I don't think the 10 mil is approved I'm gonna look that up uh, for you uh, let's see so I don't give out bad information here on the air I want to set you guys straight but um, We'll do that on the other side. I'll look it up. And uh, don't forget to sign up for our giveaway because we're going to draw the winner on the other side right now. So uh, when we come back, we'll draw our giveaway winner and uh, get you signed up for the new giveaway. All right. We will be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Rapid Fire. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical First Focal Plane Rifle Scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The First Focal Plane Glass Etch Reticle keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long-distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. Strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose-built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. 
and it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. All right, welcome back. This is Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire. And before the break, we were talking about the Kimber Stainless Target 2, and I stand corrected. Um, you were correct, Terry, that those are mass okay in 10 millimeter in the long slide version. So uh, we could do a special order for you if you want to give us a call. Um, we will get one on order. So just got to put a deposit, and when it comes in, we'll give you a call. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited about that. I didn't realize it. And uh, hey, you learn something new every day, right? So <laughs> there you go. Um, so the giveaway, we got a giveaway going on and we are giving away this week the Franklin Armory BFS 1022 uh, binary trigger. And so the winner of that is Jeffrey Bunkett. Bunkent. Bunkent. How do you say that? How do I always get a tongue twister of a last name? Can you draw someone who does that I can pronounce? No. <laughs> Jerry Bunkent. All right, Jerry Bunk Jeffrey Bunkent, you're the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right, we'll we'll get a hold of you so you can get your uh, Franklin Armory 1022 trigger. And this week we're giving away a cool range bag from Cleanse Oil, and it's got everything you need in there. It's it's got all the chamber brushes and bore mops and everything there, you know, rods and uh, cables to pull through and whatnot. And it's a range bag, so you can use it for going to and from the range, and then you can clean your gun when you get home right right, right in here. So it's a really nice uh, bag from Cleanse Oil, and it's got all the cleaning product in it and everything you need to, to get it done. So we'll be giving away those. That's a $70 value. And uh, so that'll be next week's giveaway. So make sure you get signed up and uh, we will we will get it for you. So um, looking forward to that. Uh, Matt, they don't make... All right, so we had a question from Matt if Fort Scott makes any 25 ACP yet and they do not. So we uh, hopefully they will someday, but I just don't know if there's enough call for it in that round. But they... We will be getting the 380 and the 9mm if we're currently out of stock. We should be get. I just got notification from them yesterday. They have an order coming our way, so we're excited about that. So uh, let's see. Can I sell Davey a Glock 20 frame? Really want a Glock 20, not interested in the polymer Oh, man. Come on, Davey. Be bold. Do something awesome and make your own gun while you still can in the polymer 80. But... I can get you a Glock 20 frame uh, if you want to do a special order on that. Um, we, we should be able to find you one. And uh, I don't have any in stock at the moment. We had one for about 20 minutes last week. We had the Glock 20, the Glock 21 uh, slide, and a Glock 20 slide. And it had the MechTech carbine kit that went along with it. And a pre-band 10mm mag and a bunch of 45 and 10mm 10 round mags and it it went in about 30 seconds when it hit the hit the case out there it was used obviously but went for a good price had a nice seymour sight on it and uh so i'm not trying to rub it in but they do come in uh so you'll want to uh you want to get on get on that and just do a special order and we'll we'll be on the lookout for you um but i think you should do the polymer 80 because i think it's cool personally um 
anyway, that's, <laughs> I digress. That's my own, uh, my own thing. So Matt, bring it in. He's got a 23 and uh, you're not sure of the production year. We can check it out for you. So just come on down and we'll, we'll look into it for you. Um, the funny thing is, you know, if, if a police officer that you know has a Glock pistol, you can always do a private transfer from one of them. Uh, you know, I get I got a call the other day from a gentleman who just moved here from Ohio, and he said, I don't know what to do. I have a, and I forget what gun it was. It was like a Taurus or something like that. Um, I have a Taurus, you know, whatever, and it's not mass compliant, so I don't know what to do about that. And I said, well, all that means is I couldn't sell it to you if it was brand new, um, but or used for that matter. But because you already own it, you're fine. You don't have to do anything. And he said, oh, really? I thought I couldn't have it in the state. And I said, no, there's no law that says you can't own any pistol. So you can have the pistol. It's just I can't sell it to you. So go figure. Um, but anyway, that's the way that works sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it's... It's like I said, clear as mud. So um, we're starting to get more defensive ammo in too. And I got a boat ton of 9mm defensive ammo coming in, which is really good. So I can't wait. Can't wait to get all that ammo and get you guys all geared up with some bulk ammo for once. But we do have some bulk ammo up on the website now. So check that out. And we're getting uh, our car wrapped in a a Cape Gunworks car and a full-on wrap. I'm kind of talking out of school here. So don't tell anyone, but um, maybe we'll try to set it up so we could do some local deliveries of ammo for people, and that'd be pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Bob says he's heard local police departments prohibit their LEOs from selling their own privately owned Glocks per chief's policy. I don't know how that could be prevented. So that doesn't even make sense. Uh, I could see if it was a department issue gun. You don't want cops selling the department issue gun. But how do you prohibit them from selling their own? They're legal citizens of the state. They can go ahead and do a private transfer of their own gun. But obviously they can't do the high cap mags, but there you go. Derek says if you do the Form 1 tax stamp, you're not walking around with a felony if you have an after 94 lower, correct? Um... Uh, it depends. Is, is it a pre-94, I mean, a pre-Healy? You know, I don't know. The The point of the matter is, like I said, clear as mud. None of this has been challenged in court yet. And there's lots of lawsuits right now. There's, I think, three pending to get clarification or to just see that the enforcement notice of the Attorney General's office is thrown out altogether because of the 18 years of precedent where we sold these guns legally and lawfully in a post-ban configuration, and now all of a sudden we have to comply with some enforcement notice because somebody woke up one day and decided to change the law and nobody challenged her on it. So that's what we're at right now. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's the way it, way it goes. How much time does it have to pass for a transfer to not be a straw purchase? I don't think there is an amount of time, Davey. It's just a straw purchase is when you go in and purchase a gun intending to sell it to somebody else that is a prohibited person. So, or the, you know, gun that they can't own. Uh, so that, that is, I don't think you can put, it could be two years later and it could still be considered a 
straw purchase. So I don't think there's a magic time element. If a cop bought a gun for himself and his personal use and he took it to the range, shot it, hated it, and was like, oh, I don't like this gun, there's nothing that says he couldn't sell it tomorrow uh, to somebody else. But um, unless I'm wrong about that, but I, I don't believe I am. Um, I don't think there's any you know, statute of limitations or something like that. So, yeah. Um, so the store hours, someone wants to know, is uh, seven days a week, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And uh, Sundays, 11 to 5. So we'll see you there or see you online. And don't forget the giveaway. And don't forget to get signed up and be notified. So uh, we will be on for a little while after the show ends here. So if you're online, you can stick around if you want a few more of your questions answered. Uh, that's another good reason to get signed up at capegunworks.com slash rapid fire, the bonus content, right? So we got some, some talking to do left. So, uh, but for those of you on the air, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your input and you listening. And we will certainly, we look forward to talking to you again next week. And so stay safe out there. God bless. And we will see you next week. I'm Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire.